0: Newer things, like I think even celibacy is going up for a vote soon. I think I read that. (laughs) No, I know it's true because that was like the number one issue. And
1: I just I just love the idea of like, all right, can we vote on this no sex thing?
0: All in favor of not having sex. maybe they won't vote populistly.
1: Just the idea of like all these guys who have been like holding out for so long and they're like, wait, I can have sex now? Sweet done yeah.
0: deal
1: hello everybody and welcome to the spoiler Winning podcast this is review number 384 with our review of spotlight i'm christopher schnazy and i'm steven miller And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we are putting our uh, investigative journalist hats on, and we are taking on the Catholic Church in uh, a review of Spotlight. So how are you doing this evening, Stephen?
0: Not too bad. How about
1: yourself? I'm doing uh, pretty well. Um i'm going to uh do something which you are not prepared for because um you were in a meeting when i left the office and i didn't get to tell you something interesting but uh you know sometimes uh people you know at the end of our episodes we will rattle off you know a little phone number which you can call did somebody do it oh my
0: god (laughs) is it carson Um, It has to be Carson, right? (laughs) It's Carson.
1: Okay. Stop ruining it, Stephen. I'm trying to get to it. Um, But yes, we do rattle off a phone number at the end of our episodes. That phone number is 760-575-4TSW. Once again, 760-575-4879. And if you call, you can leave us a voicemail. And um, one Carson Patrick did leave us a voicemail. Technically, he left us two. And in the second one, he referenced the number three, even though he only got to two messages. But... uh, Basically, this is the first follow up uh, we've had from a previous episode because Carson Patrick uh, not only enjoyed Spectre, but very much enjoyed Spectre. And he called to uh, take us to task a little bit on Spectre. So I'm going to drop his voicemail into this episode so that you can hear his thoughts on Spectre. And uh, Steven will just have to wait till the episode comes out. (laughs) Wait, you're not going to let me listen or respond? That's Uh, not fair. I'm not Cardinal Law. I
0: want to respond.
1: (laughs) Yeah, basically, I'm going to sweep under uh, Carson's praise of the episode. And um, yeah, I mean, for for those of you who are are new to the show, uh, you may not know who Carson Patrick is, but Carson Patrick, uh, you know, he's a longtime host of this podcast, the Spoiler Warning podcast. He's been away on sick leave. And
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, been relocated to a few different podcasts.
1: Yeah, um, that joke's real funny if you've already seen Spotlight. (laughs) Just a hoot. Um, actually, it's probably not that funny. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, we're gonna play a little clip of Carson Patrick right now.
2: Uh, hey, guys. (laughs) Uh, so, I thought I'd be the one caller ever to call in and, uh, to do this, because I just got done listening to the Spectre review. And, uh, wasn't going to say anything, but then at the end when Steven was all like, I can't see anybody leaving this movie and going, holy crap, that was so good. Um, Because I did. I really, really like Spectre. I I love Spectre. I would definitely give it a must-see. So I feel like I I almost took that as a challenge at the end there. I have to come defend Spectre, which is kind of odd because – I don't know, it's just, I feel like a lot of movies this year have been, uh, you know, I go into them, and it's just like, not as bad as everyone's saying. Uh, I think Spectre is, uh, is up there as one of the best cases, because, I mean, what more do you want from a James Bond movie? I mean, you you go for the action, really, and the action's pretty rad in this, and it looks great, like uh, the last Bond film. Uh, Roger Deakins isn't back, but it still looks awesome. Uh, and I mean, you know, even, even, uh, Schnee's Runner, you were talking about the plot, of course, in the beginning, and you even described it as, well, you know, it's a James Bond film, and there's a bad guy, and that's all you need to know. I mean, really, what more do you need to know or want? I mean, in terms of plot, uh, I mean, you know me, I don't really, I don't really sit there and nitpick the plot. All, all that much or care for that. Uh, I mean, that's the last thing on my list. But, uh, I mean, there really isn't anything you would want in a James Bond movie. And I think uh, what they have is totally fine. Like, I was never bothered by any of the stuff presented in this movie. I actually thought Christoph was awesome. And, yeah, he's not on screen a lot of the time. But, you know, neither, neither was Javier Bardem in Skyfall. I think that's kind of you know what Sam Mendez did with the villains in in both of these movies it was kind of great you know that, that that they they're not on screen for a long period of time, and you don't really see them uh until kind of toward the end of the movie uh you know and it's kind of like in most movies you know you you know what the villain's up to you know he's doing nefarious stuff and it's kind of boring to see him, you know, plot his nefarious thing. So just to have him not seen really in Inspector and have him just be in the background, I mean, that was kind of cool. And then, uh, you know, his his sort of intro in the shadows uh, when they're in that really creepy meeting, I thought that was a great scene. I mean, when he's all cuckooing James Bond, that was, that was fun. Oh Jesus. I didn't know how to do this in three parts. Uh anyway, it just ended. Hopefully I got that. But uh as I was saying, Christoph, I mean he's he's great. I think he's great. I thought his crater lair was cool. Him up in there, like some hipster cult leader with his, you know, ankles showing, talking about birds and ripping out people's eyes so they can look into his skull or something. I mean that was that was fun. Anyway, uh
1: all right, so those were Carson's thoughts on uh, Spectre. Clearly, as you know, Stephen and I were both completely wrong in not enjoying Spectre. And yeah, I Carson... mean, I
0: disagree with him on every point, but I like <laughs> the way he said it. And he's right. We didn't give the cinematographer's name enough mentions in the show.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, well, Anyways... Um... In normal situations where we, we got the uh, the the voicemails quicker, sooner, with a bigger, big enough lead time, I would have sent this to Stephen and, and we'd be able to talk quickly about his thoughts. But um, Carson will be returning in the future. So if you're tired of us, us being me and Stephen agreeing with each other too much, the podcast will become much more uh, disagreeable. Diverse, um, yeah, in the future. But anyways... We're not here to talk about Spectre. We're here to talk about a different S, uh, starting with name, organization. SP. That another SP. <laughs> this is Spotlight. So what do you say we get into the episode, Steven? Let's do it. All right, we are going to take a listen to the trailer for Spotlight and then come back and give you a review.
0: I know there's things you cannot tell me. But I also know there's a story here, and I think everybody will hear about it. Do you think your paper has the resources to take that on? I do. Do you? The Boston priest molested kids in six different parishes over the last 30 years. The church found out about it and did nothing. We haven't committed any long-term investigative
1: resources to the case. No, we haven't. And that's the kind of thing your team would do. Spotlight? Guys, listen. Everybody's going to be interested in this. Obviously, the church will fight us very hard. trying to get some background information. I don't want you recording this in any way, shape, or form. Nothing. We understand you've settled
0: several cases against the church.
1: I can't discuss that.
0: There aren't any records of any of these settlements.
1: Nope. When you're a poor kid from a poor family, and when a priest pays attention to you, it's a big deal. How do you say no to God? Spotlight. This is the tip line. You think he's got something? I want to keep digging. We need to focus on the institution. Show me that it came from the top down try to silence anyone who speaks out you leave me
0: alone you hear me god it six percent act
1: on sexually six percent is 90 90 priests if there were 90 of these bastards people would know maybe they do you're going to give me the names and the names of their victims are you threatening me i, I was doing my job yeah you and everyone else
0: i am here because i care we're going to tell this story we're going to tell it right i can't
1: we can keep this between us until we all get on the same page is that why we're here to get on the same page we've got two stories here a story about degenerate clergy and a story about a bunch of lawyers turning child abuse into a cottage industry which story do you want us to write because we're writing one of them i'm not crazy they control everything this is not just boston it's a whole country
0: it's a whole world they knew happened it could have been you it could have been me it could have been
1: any of us all right so the movie spotlight is uh let's try that again (laughs) Okay, so that was the trailer for Spotlight, which is the true story of a division inside of the Boston Globe that uh, shines lights on big stories that, because uh, you see it because it's Spotlight, um, and uh, they uncovered a truth about uh, the, uh, some, some priests getting involved in some not-so-good stuff in the Boston area, a lot of them, and... Uh, Wait, I've never heard of this. <laughs> well you know why you haven't heard of it because the church covered it up um but yes they they uncovered a systemic issue that involves some priests and some children and a cover-up of the things that they were doing and uh this is the story of the people who did the investigation and broke the news so Stephen,
0: <laughs> it's funny because i kind of hear that description in like the Arrested Development intro voice like Now the story of a wealthy family Who lost everything And the one son who had no choice But to keep them all together <laughs> <Really? Yikes. laughs> Not the right <laughs> Not the right theme No, not, um, not at all Yeah, so last year In our like recap episode I had the Dallas Buyers Club Award For like a traditionally told Completely straightforward narrative That even if it didn't do anything new or surprising with the form was just like imminently watchable um and i gave it to nightcrawler last year and i think i'm calling it now that this movie should be a prime candidate for that this year for me okay. um and i don't think it's a coincidence that both involved like journalism and telling stories uh they both have this idea of like how do you build a story from scratch bring people into a world that granted nightcrawler not to spoil it but it gets a little bit more intense like a little bit more action-packed but in general it is still a um procedural feeling movie and what they do really well is just bringing you to a particular time and place and just like making you sit with it for a while um another movie i'd compare it to is zodiac and it's yeah. kind of funny jill and hall and mark ruffalo <laughs> it's like the two went and made their own versions of these movies um Recently, And so what I think this did, like Zodiac, just incredibly well, is built tension out of a very straightforward, unembellished story. Like, there's no pivotal moment in this movie where you're on the edge of your seat, or you are, like, waiting for catastrophe to strike. But every minute of this movie, I don't know, I just, uh, I loved it. I think... It's phenomenally acted. Like I think Mark Ruffalo is probably one of my favorite actors by now. But between this and Foxcatcher, he just does that like kind of innocent, nice guy thing so well. <laughs> like he's very good at being a uh, a relatable character. Uh, but Rachel McAdams, Michael Keaton, Liev Schreiber, like everyone just nails their role in this movie. Um, it also just nails this feeling of Boston as the, you know, the biggest small town in the world. I don't know if I made that up or if that's its name or the, the name of another place. <laughs> but this idea that you have like this large metropolitan area where people still do have very particular values and a very particular home allegiance. And in the wake of Penn, especially, I think this is a very kind of interesting story to watch of how can... How can so many ostensibly good people look the other way when something potentially terrifying is happening? And I think this just really perfectly paints that picture, and it paints kind of the the discomfort at the heart of the spotlight story and the the trade-off between people wanting to believe in something, people wanting to have some kind of motivational belief in like leaders that they can turn to, and an institution... And then just this idea of telling the truth at all costs, you know, regardless of how how it makes you look or how it makes other people look. um, Yeah, I just thought the story was extremely compelling. And, you know, you and I both come from enough of a background where I think, like, we find movies that deal with religion and the kind of hypocrisy inherent in it very interesting. Yeah. And so this other than just the very literal plotline way it really continued where calvary left off to me where it um it examines faith and corruption in a very measured non-indicting sort of way Uh, so yeah i love this movie i thought it was great yeah i mean i i
1: i echo mostly everything you said um it's it's a well-acted uh film everybody and it's great um you know the the story itself is compelling though like pretty simple it's like there's an obvious bad guy and some people were just trying to like uncover the truth about what the bad guy was doing um but I think this movie really has to be praised for the fact that it is it is overly understated mm-hmm. <laughs> if that sentence makes sense um because I mean I I can see a world in which uh this is really trying to be a takedown of the church and like, Oh my God, look at these like really gross priests and like, we'll show them and show how like twisted they were and stuff like that. And it's like there, the film opens with a priest in like an interrogation room in a police department place. And there is one like sort of like, just like an old retired priest that you see towards the end of the film. But besides that, like none of this really takes place at or around the church there aren't a lot of big scenes where any characters are justifying their actions like this this film is only from the side of the investigators and it it feels i mean at the end of this if you sit through the credits it has the same little uh, sentence that's at the end of all based on true story films where it says like you know some of the events may have been dramatized for the sake of of uh of making the film or whatever, you know, uh, basically saying that like, hey, this is a narrative picture, and we had to do a good job of making an interesting film, so we may have embellished or or time crunched events or whatever. But like, the plot lines are so understated that like, I don't feel I don't feel like any of it was m- made up. Like, like it, it it doesn't. I don't I don't know how, what I'm trying to say. But basically, there,
0: it, I, there may be like a few conversations that happen on like a holiday evening that wouldn't have actually happened on a holiday evening but yeah for the most part it's hard to imagine them exaggerating this
1: yeah yeah like it it, it it's told in such a simple um, it doesn't feel like it's gotcha journalism It feels like it's it's just This is the story of what they did And what they uncovered in the events it, it, it The interesting thing is I feel like we've criticized other films Whether or not they were based on a true story Where it feels like the story is just a series of note cards And you're watching the film as they check it off And this film technically is doing that. It's doing the exact same thing that we would normally complain about. But because this is a very slow-moving um, procedural picture that is is avoiding a lot of the problems that, that a, another narrative telling a similar story would go through, um, it just works in a really compelling and interesting way. And it just um, – I really – uh enjoyed watching it as much as you can enjoy uh a film bringing to light facts that they're releasing and like it, it, the it obviously you're not happy when things are are learned but like you really feel the motivations of the characters and um yeah it, it's 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 really interesting the way they they took the like they didn't go out of their way to have the villains be present in the film at all like they just like hey this is This is an easy thing to take shots at, so we're
0: just going to leave it out of the film and just cover the
1: investigative side of it.
0: Um, So I give them like. Go ahead. I think one one thing that goes along with that is even when they do have villains, I feel like the biggest gotcha moments are reserved for the investigation side again of like the people's response or lack thereof of the story rather than the obvious villain of this like monstrous priest no i i feel you there and and um uh,
1: yeah i mean like o- overall like the, the entire film i think is pretty fantastic there's one scene which i referenced er- earlier where where they uh uh rachel mcadams is like talking to like an ex-priest at a door and he's just sort of old and just like saying things matter-of-factly and i have no idea what that scene was doing or trying um i'll probably talk with you offline after the episode
0: about that scene just because it's one of those things that i feel like had to be true because i can't think of a narrative reason they would do that yeah um So what do you think about, uh, I mean, not to dive too much
1: into the story, I, I thought there was a really interesting through line, which is the only part that, like, I was teetering on the edge of of being super strongly, like, narrative, like, this feels written, but at the same time, it feels like it might have come from somewhere. Um, there's, like, a repeated line every time they're interviewing a victim of these people, and it, it's the line, like, it's like God is coming into your house or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I forget what the exact line is, but it's, uh, like... With a problem as prevalent as what was happening in this, uh, this situation, um, uh, uh, most films, as we said, would, like, focus on the evil bad guy. And this film really focused on the victims. And it wasn't trying to get inside their head of how could they go along with these things. But, like, every victim talked about how, like, when the priest paid attention to them, like, the parents were like, oh, it's like God is 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 himself is here and, like, celebrating my son or whatever. It's like the parents right. didn't think anything was wrong because um, because they were like, oh, well, this has to be good, right? The priest is, priest is paying attention to my son or the priest is paying attention to me being the, the person who was the victim. I, I I like that the film was able to comment on that without trying, drawing too much attention to it and, like, making that the message of the film, but it was still there as as kind of like a through line like every time you listen to testimony of any person who had been through something they always Mm -hmm. kind of threw out that line in the same way and i don't know whether that's something that was added editorially by the people who wrote the
0: film but um i don't know i thought that was really yeah i I don't know because you you imagine at least with the um (laughs) the stereotypical character of like these are about largely poor kids who grew up in kind of rougher neighborhoods of boston so you imagine most of them, their first response, if they would tell this story, which most of them probably wouldn't, is like, hey, let me try to explain why I would have gone along with it. Because, you know, no, that's not me. That's not me. I wouldn't want to. Um, yeah. I, I do think it might be a little bit editorial. It kind of... So, okay, The over and over again, um, uh, Liev Schreiber's editor, he has this line where... They want to nail an individual, like some evidence will come to light that they want to put forward. And he'll always say, like, this is bigger than a person. We need to get the system like the system is how we can change things. Yeah. And I think the victim's response of. You know, you allow this because when a priest comes over, it's like God came into your house and this is why your family is okay with it, and even when things come to light, you don't press charges or you try to not make a scene. That is the system. Like, the system that the Spotlight team is pointing at is more specifically, like, corruption in the church. But I think the system of the movie is any belief in a hierarchy where some people are just innately trusted by virtue of being, quote, better than others. Yeah, And... That's kind of a controversial opinion, but the movie understates it so well that I think, like, I think it does that message more justice <laughs> than if it had actually gone, like, religious on it <laughs> and turned it into some big expose <laughs> on, like, yeah, 10 reasons religion ruins everything. Like, instead, it really just kind of eats away at you, like, misplaced trust and some belief that other people are pious and therefore... We can forgive them more easily. Like I think that's what the movie's really going after.
1: Yeah, and, uh, I, and, I love
0: that subtext.
1: And, and and you can tell that they're not trying to just be um, uh, shit. I forget. I forget the the, the the way you just put it. But like you you can tell that they're like there, there's no scenes where people are screaming at each other with tears in their eyes, saying like, "How could this this happen?" Or "How could you let this happen?" Like obviously there there are there is talk of um of like characters will say to other characters, but in a very calm voice like you're taking on the church, you know what this community thinks about the church right, but you never see the community's um reaction to what is going on like you like it, it's not put in your face it's not a story where like citizens are really pissed at at you know the boston globe for for taking on the church it's just alluded to that the church itself will be mad and people in the community would be mad you have one mm-hmm. scene where uh nana <laughs> uh is is reading the story after it comes out and she there, there's no words she like or there's no there's no commentary from her she just looks up and she asked for a glass of water, and, and then she asked Rachel McAdams to get in the oven. <laughs> Not that Nana. Um, no, but like that that moment, I thought was uh, was really like powerful. Like I thought that was like a great thing because you could tell how much the the truth getting out there how upsetting it was to Nana, but, like, there wasn't scenes where, like, Nana was like, you know, ah, if you continue writing the story, you're dead to me or anything, you know? I mean, there's there's no, yeah. there's no overly emotionalizing the fact that they're investigating it. Like, the investigators are never made to be villainous themselves in that, like, they're just trying to do something mean to take on the church. I mean, the entire group of people, you know, there's a scene where... I forget who it was that asked them if any of them are Catholic and they're all like basically they all say they're lapsed. Like this film doesn't make it a like atheist trying to take down the church type of film. It's just yeah. a bunch of people who are trying to get to the bottom of a truth of something that um
0: that is interesting to them or not 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 interesting to them. But, yeah. You know, so like, so I think like one point of comparison here would be Bridge of Spies and how it kept wanting to beat us over the head with the idea that Tom Hanks by virtue of defending a villain is hated by the community and yeah. how this is dangerous for his family. And that movie felt so anticlimactic because it never convinced us that he was working for a cause that made sense. It just told us that he was a hero. And, and yeah. this, I think...
1: There's no there's no scenes where Mark Ruffalo has to dive underneath a, a coffee table as people yeah. shoot out his
0: windows. No, of course not. Because this movie is very much... I think this is trying to get at a more interesting aspect of human behavior which is not villains and enemies and people who are just combating the truth it's like shared not even delusion just shared like looking the other way when bad things happen um i and i think in a a very real way the movie it is tackling religion but i also I bring up like Penn State and Sandusky because it's also about the home team, right? Like the other big thing every character in this movie relates to is baseball. <laughs> like yeah. it's the Catholic Church and baseball. These are who you are. These are our community. These are our values. And Lee Schreiber, <laughs> the the Jewish editor who comes in, shares none of those things. And I think that's the idea is that an outsider can walk into this world And immediately see this is a story worth pursuing. This is a big deal. And everyone in there, they aren't actively evil or suppressing the truth. They just have all kind of like implicitly agreed that we're not going to look at things that might make us uncomfortable. Yeah. And and it's also just just that I think that that's a much more subtle and interesting point to make.
1: Yeah, and it's also not, it's not all a, uh, it's not all just we're going to look the other way. It's uh, like half of the people are very much like, well, we can't affect this in any way, so why bother? Like, mm-hmm. it's just going to get swept away, so it's not worth our time to since we won't be able to do anything. So it's like a combination of like, um, you know, first they came for whatever, <laughs> like a little yeah. bit of that mixed with. Like, literally uh, wanting to look the other way because it's not, like, this can't really be true
0: because, I mean, this is this, you know? Yeah. So, I'm curious, actually, for you, one interesting part of this movie to me is, even if we didn't know the details, like, I didn't actually read that much about this beforehand, but I think we both knew the conclusion of the movie. (laughs) Like, we know what the team is going to discover And we know how big a dent it's going to make on the community. Um, Do you think that changed the way the movie worked for you? Like knowing the the ending going in? Do you think that kind of helps the slow burn work better? Because you don't feel like it's building to nothing. You kind of know that no matter how slow they pull it, this is going to culminate in something real. Or would you rather have it be more suspenseful? Like maybe a thing... That wasn't so well known that everyone already knows the conclusion
1: you know i i honestly hadn't thought about it until like you started asking the question <laughs> and i mm-hmm. I, th- I think that like i i i would agree with this statement that you formed as a question <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> I, basically i i feel like so, so like we've we've seen a bunch of things um, that are based on true events. Uh, you know, things that involve envi- like uh, climbing mountains, right? Because that was a documentary. But like, there, there's things where like you know the result, and you're watching the film, and it does or doesn't uh, affect how how it's going to end. In in this story, it's it's a lot. There's a lot less happening, and it's really just like. It, it, it is exactly that. Like, it's not, are they going to figure out the truth? It's, they do figure out the truth and they let everybody know. And it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, so I think that there might be an aspect to it that made it more, you know, quote unquote, enjoyable because I, as you said, I, I wasn't waiting for the big, the big moments of like the, oh shit, gotcha moments where like they totally, you know, back a priest into a corner. Um, You know, there's no... There's no... uh, There's no... I want the truth. Did you order the code red? And then a priest yelling like, you're goddamn right I did. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's no... Which would be awesome if they got a priest yell that... um, Goddamn. It it always gives me a laugh. Um, But... uh, (laughs) Where was I going? Um, Yeah, yeah. So, So because I'm not really like looking for how they're going to get the truth i'm just watching the procedure of it and like how how little um it, like it, it's really the characters get excited when they get a, a piece of evidence that that helps them in a way because they're they're getting closer but like there's so many moments where like they're like so in a normal story you'd be like oh okay cool we got we got X number of names, so we've done the job. But in this film, it's like, so we have that, but now we need, like, you know, two victims per priest to, like, corroborate the story. Plus, we need a person who is on the backside of these other things that, like, so it, it becomes not a thing where, like, the individual pieces of, of, um, Of evidence don't mean anything to the greater plot. You're watching the procedure of how they build a case and work towards something that they're going to do. Um, You don't even get like a scene of like, you don't really know anything about the article that that really gets published because the film ends with it being printed and being delivered. Right. (laughs) And then you get the title cards that talk about like the total of the other stories that came out afterwards because of what they discovered during this uh, process. Um, But...
0: Yes, to and I think s- a part of me was like immediately disappointed by that because I wanted the relief of seeing what happens next, like after all this comes to light. But the more I think about it, the more I think ending on a title card is great for this movie because the story of the movie is doing the investigation and making the story come to light. It isn't like a grand thing about how they fix the community or anything
1: yeah yeah it's, it's that's not the story that like okay so here here's i have like two questions that i want to run by you i'm going to start with the the easy question first um which it, it's not an easy question it's the simpler of the questions but it's not necessarily easy to answer um so my question to you is so this film is called spotlight it's a story that that people have already heard about. Like, it's not going to like like, oh, you talking about p- what priests molest children? That's never happened in my life. Um, the uh, so it's really a story about this group within the Boston Globe, and in the context of the story, like around this time, you know, uh, Leav Shriver was coming in to talk about cuts and where they could tighten things up and make their newspaper important to its readers. Um. This film is talking about like newspapers dying, <laughs> right, yeah, in a way that is like people are talking about that nowadays because everything's going online and stuff like that so do in a conspiratorial way, I guess, um, does it feel like this story is less about the case and more about the need for journalism um and uh like old good old fashioned like reporting in the community as opposed to like online whatever where people aren't anywhere near the stories and they're just writing x number of words per article and just publishing them um Mm -hmm. does it feel like in a way like uh this is why we need the newspaper type of story in a way i I
0: think i think it definitely does and i think it's very successful (laughs) in feeling that way um i mean this movie is all about good old good old fashioned journalism like it there are so many scenes that show Mark ruffalo and Rachel McAdams interviewing people, and they're trying to get across their method like they always repeat the first name of the person they're talking to like that that is a very big thing in the movie that they keep doing yeah. um they sit with people, they understand them, they've lived in the city, and they relate to them they they draw conclusions based on things that they remember from their own childhood. Like this is very much about why a thing like serial might not have solved this case. (laughs) It's about like people within the community rising up and telling the story that they want to tell. And so I think it, it definitely made me appreciate and, long for more of that kind of journalism. I mean it I don't think it puts it on a pedestal in a kind of manipulative conspiratorial way. I think it's extremely realistic in why people need this. Like you need a newspaper that will run the story that will never be the clickbait. <laughs> like the newspaper that can invest 1 to 2 years in investigating a thing that might not pan out. Yeah. And it, it's very hard to imagine the BuzzFeeds of the world sending four people to interview people for two years <laughs> in the hopes that they and the, the big unimaginable thing and the big difference of Liev Schreiber which weirdly he comes in being painted as if he will be the guy who is enacting budget cuts and then his actual character in the movie is the opposite he's the guy who is foregoing the quick and easy story like foregoing the clickbait yeah, to yeah. wait for the real thing to come to light.
1: This priest blessed a child, and you won't believe what happened next. Oh God! <laughs> That's the best and eighty nine related
0: stories <laughs> with the oh. gallery. No, So anyway, I think it. Um, I think that is definitely a purpose of the movie, and I think it's a great purpose for it to have.
1: Okay, so 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 next, my. Uh... My, my, my other question, this is either going to be, I'm either lobbing a softball at you or I'm throwing you a curveball. And we'll find out uh, which one it is. But oftentimes when we review films that have to do with real life subjects, um, you do mostly, I'm assuming because of curiosity, you spend a little bit of time researching the backstory and um, reading about the fallout and things like that. Um, so we talked a little bit about how one of the narrative through points of this film is the, uh, like, there there are characters who are constantly saying, like, no, we have enough to publish now, but we'll just be taking on one guy. Like, we want to take on the system. We want to make sure this can not happen to people again. Um, I, like, I'm aware of this story because it was sort of a big deal when it came out, but it was also sort of a punchline. I mean, like...
0: For like sure, it, it, it definitely it, became a punch. I mean, yeah, this it is when... What... Catholic priest became, like, the butt of the joke that means, like, a creepy pedophile.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that in context, what—do you know what the fallout from this story was? Like, besides making um, uh, this—the cover-up and the scandals, uh, you know, aware to the people of the community that it was affecting the most, and um, so, I mean, obviously, the the main thing that it accomplished was— an immense amount of people coming forward with the truth once they realized that this was happening to a lot of people like a lot of victims came forward and shared their stories and there like that aspect of it from the people who were affected a lot came about because of this but was there any sort of thing put in place to change the way the system had allowed this to happen, or is this like because the film based definitely paints this as a systemic issue where like a large percentage of
0: of um people were likely right six percent i think yeah um uh, yeah so i think i did not do my normal Wiki- wikipedia investigative journalism <laughs> before watching this <laughs> um, so Stephen didn't engage in any spotlighting <laughs> no i didn't spotlight this one but i do i remember a bit um I mean one thing we both know because the movie tells us in the title cards which is kind of like a cynical note is that the cardinal involved he was relocated to one of the highest positions in a holy church in Rome. Yeah. So at he least got in major the major Im- promotion. Yeah. And so at least in the immediate aftermath like no it did not change the system in any way. Um I think what it did do, you could look at Calvary as kind of like one of the aftermaths of this movie, is it did cause massive disillusionment in the Catholic Church. Like we talk about punchlines as if that's a nothing. But I think that is actually a major dent in the world's relation to the Catholic Church. And it's like, it's always kind of a joke that how can you tell who was raised Catholic because they're an atheist now? <laughs> like, like, that's always been a thing about Catholicism is that most yeah. people rebel from it later. But I think this definitely accelerated that rebellion. Because if you have a form of belief that hinges on these people being wholly appointed by, you know, Jesus chose Peter to lead the church and he chose the popes and they chose the holy priests, like, this shoves a big, like wrecking ball of democracy into that, and says, Hey, <laughs> these people aren't perfect by any means. look at the shit that they did, yeah, um, but no, I think now Pope Francis is starting to talk about newer things, like I think even celibacy is going up for a vote soon. I think I read that <laughs> no, I know it's true because that was like the number one issue, and no, I, just,
1: I just love the idea of like all right, can we vote on this no sex thing? <laughs> all in
0: favor of not having sex. <laughs> I mean, maybe they won't vote <laughs> Populously,
1: Just the idea of like all these guys who have been like holding out for so long and they're like, wait, I can have sex now? Sweet, done yeah. deal.
0: But it is true. I mean, that like the psychologist in this movie is talking about that as one of the big roots of the problem is that he said something like 57% were having sex despite this rule and what it created was this like kind of shady system of looking the other way and secretly doing things yeah um but yeah uh, the short answer is i don't know it was a soft curveball because <laughs> i didn't look it up yeah yeah it was mostly yeah, it mostly was just a curveball
1: because i was basically saying like steven usually looks this shit up but he didn't this time <laughs> no i thought
0: about it um <laughs> <laughs> a little too depressing to read into. I can assume, by the way, the the title cards happened that if some grand restructuring of the church were to take place, they would have mentioned it by now. But I did hear, I know, I think it was one of the like black spots in Pope, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say John Paul, I don't remember who it was. Um, the current Pope at the time, this was a pretty big deal for them. Yeah. And I think it was looked back as a like big dent in the legacy that maybe led to the current more progressive style of pope popehood.
1: And and also regardless of whether like the system in the church changed, I mean part of the reason this was allowed to happen is because in the few cases where people did come forward and and raise allegations allegations against the the priests um they were like ar- arbitrated or whatever by like a third party who wasn't part of the official legal system so there was no like this wasn't filed with the courts it wasn't handled there it was done inside rooms somewhere where people agreed that like oh you sign this we won't talk about it here's a
0: few bucks Shh. yeah <laughs> you know so billy very... crudup was definitely disbarred after this <laughs> just the actor he has the face yeah, yeah, pretty much.
1: But like by by I, I would assume, I would hope that after these stories came out with like such the high numbers of both victims and and uh perpetrators um mm-hmm. that that the next time a case like this happened and the church said like, "Hey, eh, how about we just settle this in our offices." They probably said hell no.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think hope. for sure it I mean, now maybe because it is a punchline, everyone recognizes that this is a fact that happened. So I think the the system of a city that would look the other way and cover up, or, you know, the PC word right now is victim shaming, I guess. I think that's part of what was happening there, right? Of like, don't talk about this, don't bring it up, you must have been involved somehow. Yeah, um, We can definitely see that changing. But yeah, the movie... The movie doesn't make the case that the team enacted change. It's only that they they did something they thought was right and followed it to its conclusion. Which is why I think this is more a movie about journalism than about go team, <laughs> here's a motivational story about what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it also tries... In that vein, to have a few character arcs that in general didn't work for me. I don't dock the movie because I think its point was hardly the character evolution. But it has little things like like Rachel McAdams. You mentioned her nana. She goes to church with her every week despite not believing in anything. And I feel like the movie, the movie points to something like that or Mark Ruffalo's like former religiousness as if it were building mini character growths of how these people respond to the thing they're investigating and kind of grow and change because of it but i feel like they were they were so minor and subdued that they maybe didn't need to waste time bringing it up Um, well
1: I, i i think that that was maybe less there to build their character and more to build an idea of what the community was. I mean, you Mm -hmm. already talked about how like in Boston, there's like, you got the church and you have baseball. And by alluding to the fact that they grew up in that same way, it, it sort of leads to the fact that like everybody could have been a victim. So the people who weren't a victim, Nothing they did of in and of themselves prevented them from being a victim. They just, they weren't the quote-unquote lucky ones, right? Like, they right. weren't the ones who who the priest took a liking to or whatever. Um, so I, I think that that is, you know, there's, there's at least one scene where people are talking in this manner, where they're talking about, like, it could have been any of us. Right. Um, and I think that really those backgrounds are are really just there to kind of explain that, like, no, like, when you grow up here that's how you start whether or not that's where you are as an adult that's where you are as a child and the chi- children are the ones who um really had to worry like yeah, the adults and and
0: also how you were as a child and the people that you're surrounded by <laughs> and you know lie to um those do inform your actions in life and and so having this background even if most people in the team were at this point like agnostic or atheist it still informed their behavior I can buy that. I think that that definitely showed the the community well. I think secondary characters maybe do it better. Like there's one in particular in the, the conversation you mentioned, the guy that he's talking to does have some arc that is a bit more believable where he doesn't have like a giant transformation. He just begrudgingly does the right thing in the end. Is this the, the talk of coaches and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I also think, by the way, like, after Birdman, I wasn't really sure what kind of roles Michael Keaton could play because he's still a kind of, like, eccentric, manic character. Um, yeah. I think this movie nailed the kind of role he should play. I He was so believable as this, like, this kind of rough-talking investigator who still has his integrity but knows how to like pal around with his friends from from the good old days yeah Uh, i thought he was a great great character
1: well there's, there's there's even that scene where like at the beginning of the, the film, he's sort of he's sort of soft-spoken and stuff, but, like, there's that scene where he's standing at a little, at a little bar at an event with a guy, and the guy, <laughs> there's something to the effect of the line of, like, oh, this is the whatever your name is that people always tell me about that I've never seen, mm-hmm. and it's, like, he's always very jovial, like, this is fun, we're hanging out, like, we're good, I'm a very soft-spoken man, but then, like, when he has his eye on something, like, he will ask you the question that you expected maybe would be kind of lobbed to you,
0: but it's not really anymore. Yeah. And John Slatterly is just his character on Mad Men again. But but it works great for the movie. I'll take your word for it, because I have not watched it. <laughs> this movie I
1: saw on Mad Men, I haven't watched. <laughs> you should get on that. I, I'm sure I should. I, I feel like I need to wait long enough that like no one else cares anymore,
0: and then I can go watch it and be like, have any of you guys watched this Mad Men show? It's pretty good. <laughs> just imagine if the slow burn lasted seven years (laughs) instead of two hours (laughs) i did watch the pilot though so you got to give me
1: credit for that props i just never i see there's the (laughs) important side tangent i when i hear a lot of good things about a show the fewer episodes that exist for that show the higher the likelihood that i will watch it Mm -hmm. so when everybody is like oh my god madman so good and there's already like a ton of of I'm like when am I realistically going to watch this? Like there there's it's just it's 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 untenable, you know what I mean? Untenable. I have I have, to, I have to wait till other shows all complete their run and I'm in like a drought for things to watch and then I'll just like mainline a bunch of episodes or something.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're saying it's just too too massive a situation that you'd rather look the other way than try to try to dig into it. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, how many, Does it have like 87
0: episodes? <laughs> Probably something close to that. Yeah, I'll look the other way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we get to our verdicts? Yeah, let's get to the verdicts.
1: Um, Steven, if you're going to give this a must-see, I reckon with a caveat, a wait for rental, a pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it?
0: A must-see. I think it's just a wonderfully executed, smart movie that doesn't overshoot doesn't over dramatize um I, I don't know i love seeing i would call it a classical type of movie like a 12 angry men type thing uh, i'm i'm glad that they are daring enough to make this movie now <laughs> with all these leads being in a kind of subdued procedural instead of in a massive southpaw style <laughs> drama um <laughs> yeah i know i it's a great
1: movie yeah I'm gonna give it a musty also um i I think that this is this is a fantastic film and it's i i could see it going so wrong in an, in another person's hands where they really wanna like dramatize it more um than the situation itself is deeming um this is really a film about the process of looking into something that is a really big deal um as opposed to like just the um, totally wrecking people with you know like like the, there there is nobody who this journalism has done at the expense of it's mm-hmm. not about taking down people it's about protecting people and about letting truth out that will ultimately help those who have already been affected as opposed to like i'm gonna take on big business and show how like they're corrupt or whatever you know like this is a story that's really about um, it's it's about the art of investigation I
0: guess <laughs> yeah I think one very smart thing they did because we both mentioned you, you called it like dramatically understated or overly understated. Like they really didn't hit the points too heavy. And I think it's because like, how do you tackle a a subject like pedophilia, something so terrible, so known to be terrible and known to make monsters out of anyone in the public eye. And yeah. I think the one kind of daring way to tackle it is to trust that we know it already and to focus on other things um kind of like why i liked room actually that it took such an obviously terrifying thing and decided to focus on other details instead yeah
1: cool well uh that is our review of spotlight um
0: steven if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that uh you can go to twitter.com sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com
1: or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at com, where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or Facebook.com slash the spoiler warning If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site or you can do what Carson Patrick did and you can leave us a voicemail at seven six zero five seven five four TSW. That's seven six zero five seven five four eight seven nine. Um music for the episode will come from the soundtrack to Spotlight, I guess. Um You know that very
0: recognizable soundtrack. <laughs> yeah.
1: If if I can't find a soundtrack for it or if it's not available yet, then it'll just be the sound of a printing press. <laughs> <laughs> um but anyways No yes. no, you
0: should play um uh uh, what's the Dropkick Murphy song? Shipping up to Boston.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> I totally know the song you're referencing. How would you not know the song I'm referencing? That's like right in your alley. Uh, it might be in my alley. I don't know.
1: I, I, I've, Maybe I've heard it before. All their songs sound the same. <laughs> it's racist. I, it might be. Anyways, uh, yeah, thanks for joining me, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys all for listening. Go ahead and leave us a review or a rating on iTunes because we would much appreciate that. And uh, we will catch you later. Bye.